Hi, you're listening to the Flow State Fishing Podcast. What do you mean? There's fucking two Sheilas in the boat. <laughs> Listen to me. Every time. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're back. Seal's broken. <laughs> I can't stop pissing. Yeah, well, mine's broken down too, so. I'm on a fucking cup of rum and a bottle of beer. A set. <laughs> well, that's why you've gone three times and I've gone once. I'm only on rum. This is true. Yeah, I think I've learned something. Um, Icky Jimmy. Hey, Icky, what did I just well, say? I'm not Japanese, but <laughs> let's go Icky Jimmy. Correct us if we're wrong. Um, what is it, man? Well... Yeah, I have to I have to do a shout out to Chris Bolton fishing because I've, I've been, learnt a bit of about him. Yeah, I've been trying to get him on here. I messaged him because I really want to talk to him because he he supplies fish to some really high end high end restaurants. Um, who got one of them like fish butchery? I'd love. I don't think that's ever going to happen, but I would love to talk to Josh Nolan. Oh, that yeah, he'd have some. That would be epic, awesome information. Yeah, right. um, whole fish cookbook. I was preaching about it a few months ago. Epic. Have you, I read it front to back. I've got to give it to you, actually. Yeah, actually, I'd, yeah, I might have to buy one. I think I've been meaning to do it for a while, but I'm just checking if I see if you read my message. He's been like active on Instagram, which I'm like, oh my <laughs> fuck, is he off me? <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah, he, I actually got to know Chris through a he mate of mine. He hasn't read my shit. Oh no! Speaking to Chris, another Chris. The fucking bad Chris is here. Hi. <laughs> what do you want, cunt? To be involved. <laughs> Getting involved. <laughs> what tin is that? Three, four, five. Third. I bought Third? the wrong ones the other day. Oh. I had a podcast when Nathan Cleesby was in. Yeah. And I was like, oh, there's these rum, rum flavored ginger beer. They're on special. To the they, fuck off! <laughs> they, they were on special, but I was like, oh, I've never tried these before. What breed is it? Brookvale Union oh, ginger yeah. beer. They're expensive. They're like 36 bucks a six pack. And there's other one was on spec. They're not even joking. They're like that. Wow. Beer. 36 or 33 bucks. And this other one was like rum. And I was like, ooh, rum. Like rum. So I bought them in. He wouldn't drink them. We had one sip and then talked about it. He <laughs> <laughs> was off. They were way cheaper, those Brookvale ones. Because I, I know heaps of people who are loving them, but. They're delicious. Mm. They're fucking. Delicious. <laughs> Delicious. Um, yeah, he, he hasn't read my message, by the way. No, that's all right. Well, shout out to him for the yeah some of the help with that. Like, I, I used to always do it um, diving, obviously. Um, mm. You know, you always brain spike your fish with your dive knife after so what you've is, shot yeah. it. So talking, what is Ikijimi first? So, yeah, it's, it, I, I guess if you're looking at it from... Um, you know, a humane way to dispatch of a fish quickly and with as little pain as possible, you're basically inserting a sharp object, whether that's like a spike or a knife or whatever, and yeah. destroying the, the brain, uh, you know, instantly. And um, it's, a, it's a bit confronting probably the first time you do it, yeah. but I definitely prefer to, you know, as soon as the fish is out of the water, you know, or if you're in the water diving, as soon as you've got, you know, hold of it, then you, you know, before it gets too stressed, you're basically killing the fish instantly yep. by spiking the brain. Cause you, yeah, because you, well, we'll go there first, but what does that achieve based on quality fillet? 
So I, I believe, and you know, obviously, if the if the, ja- fact. Well, the Japanese do it, so <laughs> it's good enough for me. It, <laughs> it essentially, it you know kills like it kills off everything off the fish, and then the the theory is that it sucks that blood that from the flesh into the organs because obviously the the body's first reaction is to try and keep the organs alive. Yeah. So the last signal the brain sends before, like as it's getting that trauma from the spike, mm. is to send all of the blood to the organs. So what that does is, you know, the blood in the meat is what taints the flavour. So mm. then you get a nice clean fillet. But I, you know, Chris's advice was to clip the gills before spiking the brain to so that you get the bleeding process because once you brain spike like the signals going to you know the heart to keep pumping and everything are no longer there so if you clip the gills first and then brain spike immediately after then you're getting you know it's still got that signal for the you know the heart the to, blood pump. to pump yeah because you want to try and expel that blood from the yeah, right. from the body of the fish because obviously like you know the organs can only take so much but yeah um, yeah, yeah, I've noticed a, a big difference in quality, and I, I think it was it was something that I, I did when I was diving. Like I noticed a difference with the fish. Like you know, I take you notice of little me. things. You yeah. converted me a hundred percent. Like it's, that little bit. It's not that much more effort, no. really. Like to be honest, because we were what were we doing? We were a bit, we were like in our defence, we were hooking up like flat out. But yeah, we were chucking fish in the live well, necked, so they were like in the same temperature water so they were bleeding like stuck pigs you know we brain spiked them first then put them in there didn't yeah we? yeah i think we clipped brain spike right. and then into the live well that was full of water you know it was pumping yeah you had the the bilge oh your the live, live well pump. pump on yeah, yeah. circulating fresh water and, and that, then, that's excellent because then when you're putting them in the esky you know there's no blood nothing no. they're clean beautiful clean fish yeah and the idea of gill clipping like obviously the gills have a lot of blood in them mm. so that's instead of cutting the throat of the fish particularly like if you're say doing a couple day trip and the fish are going to be spending quite a bit of time in the esky yeah when you gill clip them you're not cutting into the meat like you know yeah. the, the meat hasn't like the surface of the flesh hasn't been broken so mm. sitting in you know a bit of blood or yep. water or whatever isn't going yeah. to ice slurry yeah. is a thing too eh? like salt water ice slurry. Oh, that, it's almost impossible but like it's a thing isn't it it is yeah I've, I've started experimenting with it a bit like i've taken out like a just you know the old five liter blue coleman daddy um, cool you know the the work work <laughs> a bloody water jug so i've taken that out and just filled it up and then you know tried freezing ice in my deep freeze but it's, it's difficult like i think the ice slurry is the ultimate like that's yeah. how you get that beautiful like yeah. clean finish but because we're coming home and just knocking the sides off yeah. we're not selling fish whole and you want that presentation like mm. the commercial well, guys do chris it's different you all need to have a look at this like I think it's just Chris Bolton fishing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's like a blue logo on his Insta handle picture, profile picture. Um, have a look at some of the bait, like we call it bait, but like people eat that shit, like garfish, mullet, and things like that. They look pristine. Oh, like, they look like yeah. they're alive, but still, like it's unreal. Like yeah, the quality, quality of his, the, from bait through to, yeah. you know, your, your bigger fish, it's just fantastic quality so yeah that's what really inspired me like you know when i when my friend put me in in touch with him and i looked at his instagram and stuff i just went wow you know that's yeah that's impressive and 
you know, you spend so much time, effort, money, you know, to go out fishing and you really want to get a product that's perfect. So mm. my, I, I'm probably on the extreme end of it with um, trying to keep fish in, you know, good yeah. quality when I go to eat them. So I always, like, as soon as the fish gets up instantly, like, I, I have two sets of um, snips. Yeah. So I use... I've got just some cheap ones, but I actually got a, a pair of those Black Panther ones that I've been telling mm. you about. Made of wine remember those, I had those red ones, I think. Yeah. We were, they're so good. Mm. I've got a pair now, made of mine and Charters Towers, found them in a, in a store there. For me, <laughs> so he grabbed me one. There was only one left on the shelf, so it must yeah. be pretty popular. So, yeah, I just instantly clipped the gills, brain spike. I've got two gill clippers, two brain spikes yep. in my boat at all times. And unfortunately, I don't have the... Well, I do have a live whale, but I normally have live fish in there, like live bait. So mm. um, I don't have the luxury like you've got with the twin live whales. But <laughs> I fucking hate them. I'd rather just throw tackle trays in there, but the cunts get wet. Uh, it's, they're, no, they're handy, I, though. One's handy, like, I'll di- digress, but um, barra fishing, so fishing a, a single spot, and you get a fish out of there, it go like finger mark, um, same principle if you put them in that live well like you're less of a risk letting them go and they go straight back down in that snag and spook the fucking lot of everything yeah um plus like Gold Coast style photos you know holding two fish in one like one inch hand <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't have that luxury I normally got it full of yakas or herring <laughs> or something like that so yeah but um so yeah, but, so after I've after I've done the brain spike, yeah. uh, the gill clip brain spike, I put it straight into the esky, mm. and I, I don't mind having a bit of blood in the esky. Like I never really have my esky for days on end. Like yeah. I normally fill it the next day or something like that. And so I put them in there, and I think one of the other advantages as well of brain, brain spiking and gill clipping instead of cutting the throat and just throwing it in the esky or a killing pen is that you don't have the fish slapping around on a hard chunk of yeah. ice or Stressing a side of the esky. Yeah, so you've got it like they're instantly, that's it, they're out of it. And, you know, it, it takes a bit of... It's probably um, more humane too. It is, yeah. Well, that's the whole whole point like behind ethical. it. You know, people wanting to know a lot more about the food that they eat and where it's come from, at how the, it's been yeah. handled. Well, at the end of the day, like, it's a win-win because the humanitarian people look, are like, oh, the fish is killed, like, instantly... Plus, the people who care about the quality of fillet, the fish aren't stressed. That's right. To a point. Like, they, they just they just die, you know? Yeah. Well, and, I mean, the, the same principles applied in beef. You know, there's mobile abattoirs now, so that mm. instead of the cattle getting transported, you know, long distances getting stressed out, you know, it mm. all happens on farm. So, you know, there's the proof's in the pudding. Like, people are doing it outside of fish too. Yeah. But... Um, I think it like it's all in the handling. Like I like to bring the temperature down of the fish as soon as possible, and that's why I don't mind it bleeding out in the esky. Mm. And I try to. But have do it. they? Does it, does it? Doesn't it clot like uh, when, you, when it's cold? Like if they if they go into the same. I'm not arguing. I'm just saying. Like I found they bleed better when you put them in their own yeah. similar excuse me temperature water. Yeah. That they bleed like stuck pigs, and then you put them on ice. Yeah. Because the moment you put them on ice and they chill, their blood clots. Yeah, and holes. Um, I don't know. I agree. Yeah, I think it does. It's it's um for me, it's probably a bit of a one percenter. Yeah, because okay. like the fish, I'm like the bigger fish, like the big nannies and stuff. Like mm. I let them like 
they're they're a bit to handle. Yeah. By the top, like after I've clipped the gills and everything, because that's the first thing that I do. Like I'll sort of let it wash over. A lot of people go, oh, you don't want to put blood in the water or whatever, but you know, it's there's a sharks are anyway. There, if they're there, they're there. So you know, I. I just let them bleed out and then I'll put them in the esky because I know the bigger fish will hold a lot more blood. Like if you if you gill clip a trout, you can chuck that thing in the box. Like putting it in the water is probably not going to make much of a difference because mm. they don't pump out a lot of blood. Yeah. Like something that's like a bigger fish or, you know, a pelagic like a mackerel or a wahoo or something like that, probably a little bit different. So, yeah, yeah I think it's... Yeah, depending on the fish species, it probably makes a bit more of a difference. But it is that is like the way that you do it, where yeah. you've got that live well. That is that's primo. If you can chuck them in there, keep that water circulating, let all the yeah. blood flow out, and you don't have that mess in your esky at no. the end, which is the yeah. I'm I pretty think, animal about like yeah. me, filthy me boat, eh? That's right. Yeah, <laughs> I mean fiberglass white boat. I got a bloody plate boat, mate. We yeah, <laughs> we don't care. We just high pressure clean it, and she's good to go. <laughs> But yeah, um, the, I think the um, yeah putting them in the esky, get them get the flesh down to temperature as quick as you can. Like if you can do the slurry, do the slurry like you know saltwater ice bricks with mm. saltwater from the ocean is the ultimate. But you know you need a lot of ice. Yeah, I just don't have a big enough boat to sort of hold the ice quantity. So yeah, I just have fresh water. But it's they don't sit in the fresh water for long anyway. But then once I get home, you know fill it bone vac seal yeah. like vac seal is a, a real game yeah. changer for me I, I was just using the it's not environment environmentally friendly but it preserves your fillets it stops so much wastage yes i th- i think the the wastage that you save is far outweighs everything and right, I, i'll shoot i'll shoot off the hip i reckon 12 months if you prep your fillets we jump a step we skip the brine oh the brine yeah. but um if you prep your fillers properly when you cry back, I reckon twelve months in a freezer. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even argue with that. I actually had. Do you reckon, Chris? Twelve months. Twelve months. Vac sealed fish. For it still tastes good. Yeah. Yeah. If it's properly vac sealed, like you've got a really nice seal. Surely, how you defrost it as well would help. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Because I had some fish vac sealed that was about six months old. Perhaps. <laughs> I reckon it was the same. Like, I, I was co- comparing it to something that, you know, when I used to use just clip, you know, your double clip bags or whatever they mm. are. I reckon the stuff that I used to have in there for two weeks and then defrost mm. and eat, it was the one that I had in there in a vaccine bag for six months was the same quality. Like, it was yeah. just as good. But brining is definitely... Like, I, I think a big a big role that brining plays is also taking like any scales and yeah. shit off the fillet that you don't yeah. want. So you get you get your fish home, right? You, you've you've brain spiked and you've done all that. You prep your fish probably. They chill down properly. You get home. You pull your fish out. You fill them. What's the next process? Because I've like you've com- completely converted me. Like I thought I was pretty good with looking after me fish and fillets, but like at the end of the day, like I look back and I'm like, here's a big word, ready. Like a days ago. Like a days ago, Chris. He's writing it Even down. I'm going to have to Google that. Like a days ago. Google it. Like a days ago. Google it and then. <laughs> it's a fucking word, I'm telling you. It's not very problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fucking word. True, true God. Like a days ago. I don't know how to spell it. <laughs> no, they say it, but not how to spell it. Basically. Um, Lacking enthusiasm and determination. Carelessly lazy. Carelessly, Carelessly lazy. 
That's it. It's not like you're like. Well, you're none the wiser. You you knew, you thought this is true. Right, I'm doing the doing the best salubrious. job I can. Look up, look up salubrious. No, what's that? The first thing in Google is laxadaisal, a real word. <laughs> <laughs> is laxadaisal a real word? You just said it wrong. Was well, I, was, I was asking that same question at the start. It's 100% a real word, like salubrious. Salubrious. Do you say synergy a lot at work? No, I just like <laughs> picking big words like wheelbarrow big and words. corrugated iron. Corrugated iron. This <laughs> <laughs> makes me sound smart. <laughs> Fucking hell. Why not? Um, yeah, so I'd like Might you well completely, <laughs> completely <laughs> bite off more than you can chew and chew like fuck is my life motto. Yeah, well, you've definitely bitten off <laughs> enough and you're going to be chewing for a while. It is, it's a long-winded process. Yeah, like you converted me. You, you take the sides off, bone them. I normally try and cut out as much of the bloodline as possible. Mm. Like you can actually pinch the fillet and if you've got a really Can nice you do it with any fillet? Any Species like pretty you, much, yeah. yeah. Like I cut a little like strip where the the backbone is, and mm. then or the the pin bone, and then I just like pinch the fillet a bit and run the the sharp yeah. knife along the bloodline, and yeah. it takes anyone it who's filled a fish knows where that fucking is. Yeah, surely. So I, I think once you got that, like I, I actually like to cut my pieces into what I'm going to cook because I, mm. I want. I, I see I eat a lot of fish and I want it to be a quick meal because mm. I don't have a lot of time that's the biggest problem with me so before we started doing this or before I started doing this shit with you or because of you I would knock sides off skin on everything dry cry back and then you'd, you'd be like fuck me dead I've got to pull that fish out defrost the motherfucker skin it pull the bones out trim it up probably over or under allocate how much fish I need because of what I pulled out mm. for the people I need to feed and then I'm like oh, is it really worth it? Yeah it's 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 more effort when you go to do it but mm. I think if you do it while you're fishy and you're in the in the zone you can you can knock it out pretty quick like yeah. I'll, I'll after I take you know the pin bone out and I take the bloodline out I'll cut it into pieces I don't want to like there's parts of the fish you know up towards like the the back of the head where mm. it gets quite thick and I try and cut it on a bit of an angle to keep it thin because yeah. if I flour it or crumb it, like the thicker it is, the more yeah. chance you've got of burning it. So, so what's a brine do, by the way? Like, well, I mean, you're putting a, a coating over the fish. What is the brine? The brine Brost. is just seawater, basically. Seawater like, and a bit of brown sugar? Yeah, I'll see, you can put brown sugar in if you want, but I, I only just put seawater and a block of ice. That's yeah. it. And I've started like using my salt water that I've frozen. Yeah, you bring that bottle ice. home, eh? Yeah, yeah, so I bring that home. So I bring a, a five-litre jug home with seawater, and then in the deep freeze, I've got a block of ice of actual seawater yeah. that I've frozen up, and I stick that inside yeah. the brine, and basically I just, as I'm filleting, I throw the stuff in there. It brings the, the pieces of fish or whatever down to cool temperature. I chuck them into a strainer, and then just sort of wiggle the strain around to get as much off it. Mm. And then I put it like I've got a designated towel where I pat the fish down mm -hmm. and get any of the moisture off it. And you'll feel it's still really slimy after you take it out. It just takes it's like excess. sticky. Yeah, sticky and slimy from that brine because mm. it is salt water. And then I put it into the vac seal bag, make sure that there's a bit of a gap around the bag. Mm. 
vac- oh, and I weigh it, of course. Yeah. And then I... Because you're like real big on divvying it up I, evenly. Like, I like... Oh, because I know how much I eat. Like I do half kilo bags and I know I get three meals out of that. So yeah. I get dinner and then a bit of leftover lunch for two people. Mm. So even though you know, probably four meals technically, but half a kilo is perfect for me. And I mean, and that way, like if I have people over and I want to do fish... I know, okay, well, I've got X amount of people, then I'll do X amount of fish. Yeah, two, three people, yeah. Yeah, so it's always around that 500 grams that I I weigh it out at, and then I've got the date, and I've got what fish it is, and it's a a process, but Mm. when you get in, you get it done, you put all hands on deck, and if you've got people who know what they're actually doing from the get-go, that makes life a lot quicker. Yep. But it's, yeah, I think the, the next next level on that is if you were to get a chamber sealer because then mm. you don't <laughs> you've even been, need You've to. been banging on a bit one of these for oh, They're just so expensive. They're exponentially expensive compared to a vacuum sealer. But the ability to not have to worry about liquid in the bag, that's just, oh, there's so yeah. much mucking around. If that's you, a fuck around. But oh. Paper towel, like follow up bit of paper towel. Yep. So we're talking, are you talking about the same thing I'm talking about? So when you when oh, you, well, yeah, I was on on paper towel, but you use a lot of that shit. I, that's why I use the. I'm fucking terrible with the plastic vac seal bags. Like I need to, like get to a a, a setup where like my bags are measured and I just cut them off because yeah. fuck me dead I waste some plastic and I <laughs> am not a littering person. I fucking hate misuse of plastics and stuff. But well, I I'm want, a tight wog. So I am OCD with that and stuff. That. <laughs> I actually have to a, the scent. <laughs> I have a piece of timber that's marked out with the the sizes, and I'll stick the vac sealer. It sort of butts up mm. hard up against the timber, and then I put the vac mm. like I buy the whole roll uncut, whatever. You can buy pre-cut bags if you're lazy, yeah. but it costs more money. So I buy the rolls in bulk. Yeah. I stick it in the vac sealer and just use a seal only function mm. and then I pull it out to the measurement that I want and if you've got mm. a nice sharp pair of scissors you can just go straight mm. through it and then you're done you made your bag and I know I do mine about 25 centimetres and that's the perfect size because you want to have a bit of a gap like they reckon 7 centimetres gap around mm. whatever you're vac sealing from top to bottom and around the side so yep. that's their general thing so I do 25 centimetre bags and then to try and reduce my wastage, mm. any fish bags that I've cut, I actually reuse like bait, re- eh? Yeah, I rinse them in like soapy water when I'm, you know, cleaning up after dinner. Dry them out. They'll be laughing this. And then <laughs> it's environmentally friendly, Chris. It's a lot of work. It's a it's lot of work. <laughs> it is, but it's worth it. Like I vac seal all, all my bait too. I'm OCD with that. Yeah, well, I vac seal everything. <laughs> this shit, this gun does. Like I was off it, and then was exposed to it, and was like. Because I don't bait fish a lot, but his bait when it comes out of the vac seal bag that's been in his freezer for months is like fucking basically get eat it, and the the fillet quality is next level. But he's basically like a cane farmer's son, <laughs> but can't pass the seeds out of strawberry jam. <laughs> it's true. You got to keep that. <laughs> Let's <laughs> do strawberry jam tree. Yeah. <laughs> See, it, it works. So it's it's ex- like it I, actually I, does. Like it's a fuck around, but it's not even that much of a fuck around, really. Once when you, you get got, into it, it gets faster. The system the more that you do you've it. got at your place with the fillet and table and the ice bowls and the vacuum station and everything. If you've got two or three dudes on a reef trip and you come back, you've got it done in a couple of hours. 
Oh, yeah. It, three hours for, like, I, I've worked it out. If we've got, like, 25 to 30 fish. What took, sorry? Yeah, three hours, roughly. What took us three hours, and yeah. that was clean the boat, proper detail clean the boat, and do the fish. Yeah. For both of us. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's not that bad. And I highly, like, people would be like, ah, fuck that, I couldn't be bothered. Do it once. Just do it once, and mm. you'll be like, Holy fuck, this fish tastes like an orgasm in my mouth. And the, the thing I like about the vac sealing too, like I, I Literally, actually Chris, it. you're a horny little fucker, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Anytime anything sexual comes up, this cunt's like half dry hump in the air. Like, a, <laughs> like a, getting around like a half frigged off dog. He's getting around it. <laughs> Do it. Do it. When you get out and you stop mowing lawns and you can come fishing. Mate, you're talking about Brian, mate, I've got... The edge trimmer that I have. No. Oh, <laughs> this cunt is mad on lawns, man. I've been like backing over the corner of the driveway on this side when I leave here, like for the last few days. He's been he's been doing your your lawns. I'm basically. trying to cut a track in there every time. Like he's got it he's got it manicured that well that it just returns back to its natural fucking status. You're not that bloke that told Scomo to get off his reseeded lawn this week, did you? No, 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 no. <laughs> he would 100% that would be you Scomo had a party on his fucking that would be you oh. I told him he had like weeds in it, which he does he had weed he did man look at the face in him I told him he had weeds on his footpath and like give me the biggest stink eye it's true no. I to it. look if I if I was a customer which I'm not no because fuck I'm not giving you any no. money <laughs> Uh, he comes to the charity <laughs> <laughs> Well, you might have to keep me close because I can get agricultural chemicals. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Boost that lawnmower. <laughs> mm. we'll, we'll clean all of that bloody nutgrass out of there. <laughs> <laughs> fucking nutgrass. <laughs> <laughs> and fucking prickles. Zoysian, mate. Zoysia? Oh, oh, that's not cheap. Oh, that's, oh. See, I don't know what any of this shit means, man. No, I'll just go fishing. <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> I mean, I invited Chris like three or four times. He's like, oh, oh man, like, nah, I'm sorry, I'm busy. I've got to mow my lawn Sunday morning. Oh, God, lawn is an excuse. That's horrible. It's terrible. And the best part is he doesn't have a mic. <laughs> it's way podcast. Oi, I run this fucking show. Yeah, look at me. Look now. at me. I'm the captain now. <laughs> you look at my fucking lawn when you leave and you love it. <laughs> Right. So where were we today? The, Fuck the, the morning, fishing, mate. The fishing, um, keeping your fillets mint. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> do Keep, it. Have a crack. Do, definitely Even do it. Even if you do half of that, I reckon you'll notice a difference. Just do one fish worth. And actually, that's where I wanted to go with this, is the, um, so jo- talk about like Josh and Island, like whole fish shit. Mm. Um, dry aging fish. You need a dry aging cabinet, which costs you like tens of thousands of, of fucking yeah. dollars. But... Um, he was on did you watch his MasterChef episode like I don't watch oh, reality TV yeah. but it's it's on YouTube it's worth watching okay. so he goes through like basically Josh Nyland is the owner of Fish Butchery in Paddington in Sydney yeah um, and he basically is world renowned for his basically fish dishes hey like really oh just the it's quality. worth a follow on Instagram like oh I'll be honest. I'm pretty sure I've, it is. I've never, I've never tried anything that he's done, but 
stuff that he does with fish, I just think it's wow. insane. So we're talking like a whole. A kingfish is a good example because he'd done that on MasterChef, and he. Are you making another one? I am. You up? Yeah, go on then. Chris, you want rum? No. Fuck He's sake. on the ginger beer. He can't. Can't double dip. Oh, look at that lawn. Who's that? That's Fuck a nice your mum's a good sort. <laughs> She's dead. Jesus. <laughs> 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 Too late. <laughs> Fuck me, Dad. I'm no, not done yet. Oh, okay. yeah. You haven't finished. I'm not finished yet. <laughs> we just went down this little shape. I had to pause it. No one wanted to hear that shit. But I could do it. If you want to, I can get on the diving thing if you want to just rack up content, or we can do it again. <laughs> no, we'll do it again. We'll do it again. We'll talk. Um, What I was getting at was the. Oh, you were talking about Kingfish. So, yeah, yeah. we were talking about. Um, on MasterChef is the ability to use a whole fish basically he does a, a book called The Whole Fish Cookbook and it is 100% worth your I think it would cost me like 35 bucks or some shit yeah, and it is worth every single penny we're talking like belly flap bacon the fat behind the eyeballs we're talking cross sections of fish we're talking fucking all different cuts eyeballs like basically breaking up like like, if you were to break up a cow... Yeah, recording. Yeah, I'm recording. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm actually making sense. Um, yeah, we're talking, like, basically in the whole fish, like, using the whole fish. Um, Only on certain fishes? No. Nah, well... Anything. Well, Chris Bolton... So, Chris Bolton... And we didn't say this, but Chris Bolton supplies fish to... Josh Nyland, correct? Yeah, I don't think he... Not, not, maybe not all of them. yeah. Not all the time. Um, Chris Bolton is a line fisherman up here. Commercial line fisherman. Commercial line fisherman. So not like a fucking dirty trolling netting dog. I'm off that shit, eh? That's old caveman horse shit. Um, but it's true, Chris. I don't bring either. I agree. Do you want a mic? No. You guys better when I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like Chris Bolton is yeah, a hand line. Court, hand court. Hand court. Hand court line. Yeah. And if um, I'm wrong, Chris. Well, when he comes on the podcast, hopefully <laughs> one day. <laughs> but you should get him on about dry aging because he's started doing that. Yeah, well, he, he um, I was talking to him a little while ago about the dry aging cabinet because I tagged him in that when we did those nannies. Yeah. And I, people, like, there was a heap of people asking me about it. And um, I tagged him, I tagged Josh Nyland about the book, the cookbook. And there was heaps of people like, what is Ikejimi? What is brain sparking? What does it achieve? What's it go with it? And I maybe responded to 20 messages, 30 messages. And from the amount of following that I have, that's a fair bit. And, um, yeah, like, it'd be really awesome to have him on here because he understands it. And, like, just the, even, like, I'm not super environmentally conscious. I sort of am, but I'm not, like, proper, like, I don't even know what you call it. You know, like Heavily involved. Um, I'm not a minimalist, minimal impact kind of guy. Like, I sort of drive a fucking... High horsepower, <laughs> high horsepower boat down a river and shit like that, and burn fuel and all that sort of jazz. But I try and minimise my like 
footprint footprint as best I can without impacting my quality of life I don't know maybe that's bad fucks me but um, the ability to use like the little bit more effort that you use to process your fish and you can get more out of your fillet for a little bit more time you know what I mean like yeah, well, it's worth head, it or what? It is, yeah. Well, in my head, I just thought you go to a lot of effort, and if you get a like, if you actually catch some good fish, like you know, why not have it so that you can enjoy them? The, you know, and I, I, I very, very rarely, I, I, I could probably count on one hand how many bags of fish I've wasted in the last five years. Like, imagine. If really? you, yeah. Well, imagine if you account for like you just knock the sides off, right? You're off a, let's go red emperor because that's the one of my, the most underused fish going because they got like stupid amounts of like cheek and forehead meat, mm. and then you've got all of that rib meat. So if you took that head off, well, the head's usable for starters for like stocks and all that sort of shit, and all that meat like in behind the eyeballs and shit. Um taking into account how much of that has gone wasted since you started fishing for that type of fish like um, not that red emperor is a demersal but like demersal species so to speak like how much meat would you have wasted over time oh yeah well, I mean like we had a really good trip on finger mark recently me and a mate and mm. yeah the fish weren't big big fish but they were good size between sort of 55 to 65 centimetres mm. and um, we were we kept all the wings, all the cheeks, like, you know, the fillets, obviously, and, you know, I've filleted enough fish now that I'm pretty confident with, you know, getting as much off the fillet as possible without it leaving any behind. And, yeah, just seeing some of the stuff that these guys do with the whole fish. Like, I, I thought if I do that, like, OCD take mm. every single ounce of flesh I can that's easy to get to. Yeah. But there's just so much more you can do. Like they're using the offal and all yeah. sorts of stuff to make things. It's a hard balance because you like, you go out like we do here and you go for a bag of one or two species. You come home and you, you've got, like if you were to do it in that way, you'd be there for half a fucking day. Yeah. But if you were to go out, I don't know, and catch one yellow fin tuna or one big kingfish or two big kingfish, you know what I mean? You can come home, you could process them correctly and be done with your day in, I don't know, an hour, so to speak, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, if you put it into perspective, like these guys are buying fish at a at a pretty high price. Like these are Like fish, you're talking high-end restaurant. Yeah, high-end high. restaurant. They're, they're buying a product mm. that weighs X amount of kilos and they want to get the most out of that piece of product that they bought mm. as possible. So this guy is actually, you know, Josh Nyland's come up with a fantastic way of getting more out of his fish than, you know, like a person would just mm. normally knock the sides off and they're done. Yeah. But he's getting a lot more return off that single fish. So for, you know, the average Joe Blow like me or you, like we could go to the nth degree to do that. Yeah. But a lot of people don't. Like I, I think that, like me personally, Cheeks, wings, and sides of wings the fish. Wings is a big one. Like, wings are fucking delicious. They're really good. If you break that brisket bone, cry back them, and then marinate the motherfuckers, and then, like, I, I find, like, charcoal. Like, char, 
grilling them, peel the skin off. Fucking unbelievable. Oh, like head. the sweetest and yeah, and head meat, like cheek meat and stuff behind the eyeballs and shit like that and behind the forehead. Fucking the best like if you get more out of the out of that section, like that'd be all you'd eat. Oh the that finger mark cheeks I had the other night. Oh, mm. Man, they were Did next you level. like cut them out as a cheek piece or did you just like scrape them out? Nah, just like I'm OCD with knives. Like I sharpen mm. the shit out of my knives before I fill it and I just basically run the knife. Like I know where the cheek is, I just feel it and then I just run the knife so that it's running up flush against the bone and mm. just scallop out the meat and then. You, my mate who was with me at the time, actually, I, I normally um, knock the skin off the cheek separate, but he was showing me how to yeah. keep the skin on on and knock the meat off the cheek while it's still on the fish, and it's actually much easier. Yeah, right. But we should actually pencil in one day. We'll do it on your Instagram or something. Show you how to knock, video. Yeah, knock out. Like, there's an easy way to do the... Um, do the wings because yeah. they've got this sort of like overlapping bone where you've got to go over the top, under, and then around again. Yeah, right. And that actually um, allows you to sort of knock the, like break yeah. that away. And um, there's a bit of cleaning. Like wings, I think the hardest part of the wings is actually cleaning the crap out of it. Like there's- Off the inside. Yeah, the inside edge always yeah. has like that a little fat bit. fat lining, that skinny fat lining is filth, eh? Along the top of the fillet, like on the like on the inside of the brisket, like on the yeah, that, yeah, yeah. If you've got a super sharp knife, it's easy to knock it out, mm. and that's what I mean. Like it, you need a like a butcher's steel, yeah. And if you if your knife feels like it's not doing a good enough job, just give it twenty strokes on each side, and it'll be ready to go. Mm. So I, that's what I'll do. Like I've, I'll sharpen on the go if I need to. Yeah, I use a seven inch I think it's like a martini or something like that I mm. bought it from New Zealand it's a great little knife it it actually maintains its edge quite well yeah but um, I've started using a Dexter knife actually I think it's like a nine inch yeah. or something it's a bit more flexible than what I like for boning yeah but when I'm filling like that big 90 plus centimeter nanny guy that we got I'm pretty sure I use the Dexter to fill it that and that's um that's a knife that's actually very popular among commercial fishmongers that, you know, knock out fish pretty frequently. Yeah. And uh, they hold their edge quite well. They They're well-priced too. Oh, yeah. Well, I think I picked mine up for like 60 bucks or something. Mm. Pretty cheap, but yep. they're Victinox is quite, like, quite well-priced for too. I've got a fair few Vic Victinox That's knives. pretty much all yeah. I run and all I've run for years because I used to chase pigs and shoot roos commercially. Okay. Um, I didn't even know that. I'm nah. learning something. Yeah, so um, to a point, like I, as a teenager, I used to catch pigs and, and sell them. And then I went around with a lot of like commercial roo shooters and shit um, in the roo industry. And basically, Victor Knox was it, pretty much. Swibo, another one. But yeah, like Victor Knox was the pinnacle, basically, of all your different knives across from skinning, boning. If you haven't got the Vitronox steak knives in your drawer. How good are oh, they? Man, they stay sharp for so long. I've had some yep. there for two years and they've stayed sharper yep. than some people of my get the Japanese ones. People buy them fucking cheap knife sharpeners that just give your knives shoulders. Like them, you know them like things that you put, you just drag your knife through that they're oh, like a V yeah. shape. Fucking stop doing that, people. And that, like that, oh, what's that thing? Clever sharp. Clever fucking, sharp. Do <laughs> you do it? You have one, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> Don't, man. That was a Christmas present. Put the cunt in the bin. It sticks to the wall, man. 
They're shit. They just put shoulders on your knives, you get three swipes and it's blunt, and it can fuck your knife unless you want to sit on a stone for the next six hours to get it back right again. I'm anal with knives, eh? Like, I've got, I've got knives that no one else has had to touch. What stones do you use? Depends. Depends what I'm doing and depends what, how soft the knife is. Okay. So, like, really hard stones for really hard knives. So, yeah. like, if you've got, like, a really stiff bone and knife or, or, and that, like a stiff skinning knife, I mean, um, I'll use a really, really hard stone. Okay. Yeah. But I'll, I'll like, I won't stone them all the time. I'll stone them, like, every handful of uses I'll stone them, but normally just steel, use them for three or four cuts, steel, use them for three or four cuts, and you, you find you don't have to put them on the stone as much. Yeah. And don't wash the cunts in a dishwasher, Fucking people do that all the time. Oh, yeah. Do not put them That's in dishwasher. A no, no. Don't push them in dishwasher. Hand wash them, nice and clean. Dry them off before you put them in. Put them away. Don't just put them in the rack and let them dry, and leave soap and shit on them. For starters, got to rinse it off. You do, man, because you're removing when you steal or stone. You're removing. You're putting scratches on that blade, micro scratches, and you're exposing all of that steel to water and like basic or acidic shit. And it's gonna, it's gonna like get like rust and marks and all that sort of stuff. It'll accelerate corrosion. Basically, basically. So I've had too many rums to like talk about <laughs> that. Like to, to talk on that level, you know? Well, you might stone me, but I, I never put my skinning knife on a stone. I only ever just butcher sharp because I hate a skinning knife that's too sharp. I prefer it blunt. Well, not blunt, but you know, not yeah, super sharp. I guess you're talking like we're talk, you're talking fish. I'm probably more talking about like rude pig like oh, hair. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you cut anyone that's gutted any animal with hair knows like two swipes over hair, and you're fucking back on the steel. It's just awful shit. But yeah, I think well, proper knife care is big, big, big. I've been um, actually. It might be if people are interested. There's a fella DP Custom Knives or DP Knives or something like that. Is that? He's on Instagram. He's a Australian knife maker. Very very good quality knives. Like he's won a heap of um, awards in Sydney Knife Show and stuff like mm. that. And he put me on these stones. Um, Shapton yep. is the brand. Shapton Ceramics, and I bought a. A 320 grit, a 1,000 grit, a 3,000 grit, and a 5,000 grit stone. Mm. And, like, for a, a pleb like me, it's easy. Like, mm. you don't have to soak them in water for long. Yeah. You basically just give them a rinse, put a bit of water on them, and then off you go. And yeah. they produce, like, fantastic results. Yeah, and right. I'm, I'm still learning, like, I think the, the difficulty with sharpening a knife on stones is to actually get like the right yeah. angle well the same as yeah I think what's it, it's, it's I could be wrong but I'm pretty sure it's like 30 something degrees for general like a general line of like a, a, an average is 30 something degrees yeah um, and grinding uh, grinding stoning a knife is the same as like sanding something you start on your heavy grit and you work down to the, the lightest possible but yeah. I think the softer the knife the lighter you start on the grit yeah 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 like I got a lot of VG10 stainless knives yeah 
um, where the core, like VG10 is quite a, I guess what people call a hard knife or mm. it's, and they can be difficult to sharpen, but I'll normally inspect the edge before I, you know, decide what stone I'm going to use. And, you know, I've, I very rarely use the 320 grid unless I'm back beveling. Yeah. So I'm bringing it back and then recreating that edge again. Yeah. And then I'll use the, the 320 grid. But yep. um, most of the time I start off at the 1000 and work through to the 5000 and then do the old um, check if it cuts your <laughs> hair test, off, which yeah. you can see I got a bit of hair missing on the <laughs> arm from that. <laughs> You're an anal kind of that. Yeah. I Let's like to... Oh, oh! If you do it once, you, you do stretch, it right. Chris? Looking a bit stiff there, bros. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a reindeer. <laughs> <laughs> what do you reckon, man? Wander out? Yeah. Well, no, you don't have to stop us on. No, well, Chris left, so we can't go anymore. Yeah, like, I feel. The I don't life feel of the podcast is finished. I've lost my inspiration. Yeah, now. he's gone. So fuck. I thought we were going to talk about buffalo versus bloody um, soysia for a bit there, but oh, buffs good, mate. Makes fetish. Maybe we could do a um, a flow state turfs podcast no, soon or something. This would be fucking funny. I should actually do. It. We should just like a quick half hour potty. On oh, Chris's th- don't start I, it. I know now. a turf farmer in the that might jump on or what. Yeah. I might get a new following, <laughs> like fucking Gardening Australia spec. Yeah, Costa, mate. Who? Costa. Costa. Who's Costa? The mom from Gardening Australia. <laughs> oh, you watched that shit? <laughs> I was doing it as a joke. You people are fucked. <laughs> <laughs> the Rex this is what I'm looking forward to when I buy a He's fucking house. He's the Rex house. of gardening. Yeah. Listen to me. Like... When I buy a house, you're gonna have to come home alone. No, 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 I'll get you under the right shit. You won't have to. Wait, listen to me, I'm not going to be mowing my lawn, man. You don't do it as it is. He'll use a slasher. <laughs> Basically. I'm just going to poison it. Or AstroTurf. Liquid whippersnipper. And just go on mad sends. It's basically what I'm about. Mate, I'll get you with a real mower. Google that. Oh, i got a Briggs and Stratton. That, no, 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 you want a real one. You know how the football field's all about? Oh, the, oh, the I, hope, I hope people can hear this fucking shit. I'm going. I've had enough. <laughs> Go on, get. <laughs> we reckon we'll round it out. CK48. Yeah. Good, good. CK48? Yeah. Croc King. Croc King? Get out of here, you cunt. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck this. I've just lost my mood. Wait, wait, we forgot to ask. Oh, I asked a question on Instagram stories about Sanitech. And we forgot to answer the questions. And now Chris is sending me fucking videos properly. <laughs> you miss us is trolling me flat out. <laughs> How do you fill it a cod? You don't, you release it. <laughs> Dead. <laughs> I fucking hate cod. They actually don't taste that bad. Ah, oh, when they're... Yeah, they're, they're all head. They don't have much recovery on them, but... Oh, no, I heard it actually a bit off topic, but I heard a, a theory from an old fisho that if you catch a big gold spot on a on a particular fishing spot that you should, you know, you, you know, you can get those things to um, deflate them up. 
Yeah, like up under the yeah armpit, like I'm up, trying up to under the back the, fin. The real name for it, but anyway, they're like a spike with a cylinder in it, and you put it under their yeah. behind their pec fin, and it just deflates the air. If their yeah, stomach hasn't ruptured the out there, yeah. If their stomach hasn't ruptured out of their mouth, correct? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. If their stomach's ruptured out of their mouth, they're basically fucked. Yeah, a lot of the isolated stuff of fish, you get a big gold spot every now and then, mm. but they reckon if you. If you can release the gold spot back onto that rock, they actually stop like the smaller shit mm. fish from populating it. I don't yeah. know how true it is, but I I release them. But yeah, smaller ones aren't too bad. But I think anything over sixty five centimeters. Mm. But you just the the yield, like they're all head, oily <laughs> dogs, and slimy. <laughs> My God, if anyone wants and to keep stink. one of them, I make them fill it. And oh. stink. Yeah. <laughs> Here's another one she sent us. Is that coffee or homebrew in the cup? Uh, 100% homebrew. I was going to say coffee so I don't get in trouble when I go home and I'm half lit. But How much is left in the fucking yeah, full bottle of rumbo? We've touched it up. We've given it a nudge. Yeah, we've given it a good nudge. Might as well. Righto. Um, Matthew Randall asks, best sounder you have used? I know the answer. Well, shoot it. It's, I mean, I've used a lot, but I, I just think for, and I'm not sponsored in any stretch, I'm actually a bit of a technophobe when it comes to, mm. um, you know, I only really have Instagram and that's it. But, um, yeah, I, I definitely find the Simrads the easiest to use. Lorance is pretty good too. It's similar firmware. Do you, so you've got your specific blue water sanders, like we're talking Furanos and stuff. Do you, Simrads obviously a more universal sounder. Do you prefer that? You do a bit of everything. That's the difference, mm. I guess. If you had just a game boat and just a deep blue water boat, would you just have a Furano and oh. a separate GPS unit or would you incorporate the both? What's the geo? I don't know. Like I, I feel like sounders are a sort of thing where you can you can get used to them and it probably will answer one of the later questions that we've got in here to answer. But, I mean, if you can learn how to read and operate a sounder mm. to the best of your ability, you can use any brand you want. Yeah. But... Like my personal opinion is that from a user functionality and I guess the results you get from being able to use it correctly, mm. like I've had the best results from my Simrad. Yeah. And um, obviously like it's not just the sounder. Like I've, to, to give you a bit of an idea, I've actually put a Lowrance HDS 12 Gen 3 Carbon or whatever it was in my boat and just change a power cable, connected it to the same AMRP66 and LSS2 transducer. And I still read at speed and everything was fantastic. Like it was no different to my Simrad. But so is it transducer or the head, on a scale of 50-50 being even, transducer head unit, what is it basically? Like what would you spend your money on if you had X amount of dollars? Well, so, it, it'd yeah. have to be 50-50, I think, because if you put your transducer in a shit spot, you can go and buy a Raymarine top-of-the-line sounder or Furuno top-of-the-line commercial sounder and you'll still get shit results. Like, transducer... So, so transducer yeah. is... Hypothetically, you place it in the right spot. It's it's hypothetically it's spot on, and hypothetically yep. that cable at the end that plugs into your head unit is universal, right? Yeah. What would you spend your money on more so? Well, because 
I've been using Simrad for a long time, it'd be Simrad again because yeah. I'm used to the Simrad. But, you know, I, I think every brand... You'd go Airmar, 100%? I, I, yeah, the Airmar stuff, like, and the instructions that they come with are so good for installation. Mm. And I think a lot of people dismiss that. Like, a lot of people like to grab the instruction booklet and chuck it in the bin like you have with your recording equipment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still yeah. winging this motherfucker. Yeah, you're still trying to work out how to use it. But with the Airmar stuff, like, it's so, like, yeah, everything that they've got in there is perfect. Like, it's down to the millimetre. Mm. If you follow the instructions, you will be most likely to get the results, you know? Like, I, was I think I was talking to you about it off air where I'd installed that sounder and I went 38 millimetres exactly yeah. from the left-hand corner. No, I think corner. that's on here, right? Eh? Oh, okay. I'm pretty well, sure it's on here, but yeah, anyway, keep going. Either way, yeah, that, you know, I did it to the T and, yeah, it was a much better result than what that guy had with mm. his original Garmin, mm. but we just needed to shift it down mm. a couple of millimetres. In my opinion, I haven't bought, I haven't owned any big blue water specific boats. I do a lot of everything. And I found that Simrad are the best universal sounders you can buy because they're so compatible with all of your MR tech shit. And the GPS is really fast, responsive, and spot on. You can get C maps, you can get Navionics. And yeah, they're just like, I don't know, fuck, I can fish for Barra and see Barra, and I can fish blue water and see what I need to see blue water. And that's like, I don't know, similar to the top of the line for those universal top sounders mm. for me. I've been in boats that have used the Lorance Live and their structure and side scan are fucking next level, but I haven't been in one of those boats that have used it blue water, so I can't answer that. I would buy a Simrad over a Hummerbird for a universal sounder for people who do a bit of everything, who have one of those sort of five and a half, six minute boats that go to the reef, that go up creeks, that do all that, 100% Simrad. If you are just chasing estuarine species, specifically like your barra stuff and that, I would buy a Hummerbird. I agree with that. And I mean, there's, there's guys I know that use hummingbird and get really good results offshore mm. and that's where it comes down to how confident you are using your yeah. unit yeah but i would i would definitely say for an all-rounder unit like I, my boat's set up from you know running crab pots up in creeks where mm. it's just about ripping the canopy off it to you know 65 k's offshore on the shelf like it's mm. a it's a versatile boat and i've not come across a situation where i can't use it and yeah. I, all i'm using on my boat is an old LSS2 structure scan transducer. You got Evo 2A12. Evo 212, yeah. yeah. It's, it's you know, dated now, but mm. I still, like, because I know how to use it, I know how to get the results. And I think your sounder settings and your transducer placement is key. Um, and don't take this as gospel and don't send me messages fucking fighting with me because I haven't seen it all. I'm just going on my personal opinion, so don't just bite back. <laughs> Because fuck, I hate that shit. There's, yeah, there's a there's a million different scenarios, and you can never cover them all off. Mm. But yeah, from personal experience, I like you know, like I said, I'm not sponsored or anything like that no, by Simrad. I. But I went with Simrad purely because I thought the finish. Like I've I've had issues with Lorance in the past where you know because I do a lot of diving, I'd have wet gloves on my mm. wetsuit, and I would press the you know zoom in or zoom out mm. or whatever. And I got water ingress through there and it stuffed the sounder and I went, nah, 
I don't want to deal with that yeah. anymore. And it's I think the, fin- yeah, the finish is, was better on the sim rather So once bitten, twice shot, twice tie shit, which is weird because like, I think like similar, the Simrad Evo 3 and the Lawrence Live are borderline on par. Like, I think that because they're both made by Navico, is, but they're both made by Navico? Navico's like the supplier. I yeah. Think. yeah. Anyway, they're both made in the same factory. I'm wondering, I'm wondering if Simrad are going to step into a more blue water scene and Lawrence are going to start targeting that high-end estuarine scene, lake scene, because um, we all know they're American. But... I wonder, like, I wonder if that's the case because they're very similar priced, the Evo 3 and the uh, Lorenz Live. So I wonder if they're going to, like, separate those into different sort of niches, you know? Mm. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. I think the, um, I think it's just a fact of that, like, although the companies run off a similar sort mm. of, you know, user interface and all that sort of thing, I think that Lawrence has just got the leg up on Simrad at the moment with, you know, they've just released this live model mm. and, you know, Simrad will probably release something that'll be better than that next. So it's a, yeah. you know, yep. people will be buying whatever's the newest. Yeah. And best. there's a question about that on here, but I'll yeah. go to this one first. D Walker, have you guys tried the new C maps? Yeah, I actually had a play I with it. I haven't, but you, you have. have. Yeah, I. I put it in my Evo too. I was actually sceptical whether it would run. With what the, is it first? Explain well, what that is. CMAP Reveal, they've released like bathymetry. I think that's the right way that you pronounce it, bathymetry. Um, that shows... Which is bottom mapping. Bottom mapping, yeah. And, it, and, and look, the thing is, you've got to think, when you look at these products, you need to know what resolution it is. And I couldn't find the actual resolution of the CMAP charts, like mm. whether it's... 10 metres, 30 metres, 50 metres, whatever. But I had to play with it. It worked fine on my Evo 2. It wasn't like, you know, lagging or anything like that, which is what I was expecting. Um, but, yeah, it's pretty good. Like, if you um, if you want to have a look at things offshore, it's it's pretty, like, to me, if I had two sounders, I'd have one with the CMAP charts and one with Navionics. Yep. And... I think if you don't have the money to go see maps, Navionics is fine too. Like I use Navionics, so word of advice to everyone is buy Nav- if you're doing coastal and blue water shit, buy Navionics on your phone because you can have your shit running on your main sounder and run Navionics on your phone and it gives you 10 times more detail. And there's probably a few, fair few mates here that are going to cream me for saying that, but it's true. And... That, uh, it's funny, I've actually, a few of my mates didn't know, like, when you go into your options, so if you press, like, on your sounder, the chart, so that that screen is selected, mm. and then you go into your, you know, the top right-hand corner, I don't know, this is for Simrad, of course, but mm. that you, you can see, you know, your options for the chart, mm. and you can change, like, you know, what you see and what you don't, blah, 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 but... On some of the older firmware versions, if you have an upgraded, if you want to see the sonar chart, you've actually it's called fish and chips, yeah, and it's in chart options. It's yeah. a stupid name, but um, I think on mine it's actually called sonar chart because I've got the newer um, yeah, and firmware same. that I've updated to. But yeah, like you can get that. But I think the phone actually has some Navionics Platinum stuff now where it actually sh- overlays the Google Earth or something on yeah, top of is, the reefs yeah. and if stuff. If you've got um, if you've got Navionics Platinum too, if you've got a Platinum card, it does Google Earth image overlay and that is 
like pinnacle of fishing coastal creeks and shit like that. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, the, the CMAP reveal actually has that too. They've got a Google True. Maps overlay. Yeah. If I, if I were to put, like, because I think you can get the CMAPs one for between about $360 to $400, I've heard at the moment, people buying it for. And I think when, when you compare what you get from Platinum compared to CMAPs, I preferred the CMAPs reveal. Mm. Yeah, right. And I, I thought, like, it's a smaller area, I think, which you're purchasing, but I actually preferred that. But in all honesty, like, if you are not, like, if you are purely reef fishing, yeah, it's probably good. Mm. Um, but the resolution doesn't seem to be fantastic on it. Like, so yeah, right. I probably wouldn't take it as In, like, zoom right in tight. Yeah, well, I was I was sort of hoping that I would be able to like cruise up into the into inside of a reef and use that as like a bit of a guide to avoid like you know big um, sketchy bits and, and find stuff. like and find isolated bombings yeah, and stuff for diving. I, yeah, okay. I thought that that's what I would use it for, but I probably wouldn't. Like, I think if anything, if I were to buy CMAP reveal, it would be to just look at those little changes in the bottom mm. like the stuff that's super obvious I'm suspect on but yeah. the things where you see like there might be a slight rise like a ridge or something those sorts of things I reckon would be worth investigating and that's what mm. I found really interesting and particularly like if you fish a shelf the imagery along there looked pretty good and I think that the resolution might be even a touch better yeah right um, but yeah either way it's it's really good that it's at a competitive price point and I think um, you know people will start to you know, get some results from it. It's good to see some sort of 3D mapping. But yeah. you just got to remember that the mapping that they're using here, I, I can't quote this whether it's, you know, legit, but from what I understand, it hasn't been done in Australia yet, but this isn't done with a plane or a boat. This is purely modelling. Yeah. So it's not, like it might be using satellite imagery or whatever, mm. but it's using modelling to create these maps. Yeah. You know, there's stuff there. The C-Maps is American as fuck. That's right, yeah. They, I think Insight Genesis or some or C-Maps maybe, I don't know, they do one in yeah. America where they've actually mapped it with a boat mm. and it is ridiculous. Like there's wrecks and stuff they've the found that and all Ames sorts of done, shit. Yeah. The shit that Ames have done off the territory specifically for... Um, Bendic mapping is insane. So you can use it, like, these sounders, like, basically shouldn't be in the water with them because the sounds, like, that hectic, like, the, the sound waves. You're penetrating through metres of mud and sediment and hitting hard bottom to find shit. Wow. It's insane, man. Like... Um, World War wrecks and all sorts of mad shit. That'd mm. probably be like twenty to thirty thousand dollars worth of transducer getting towed behind like a torpedo or something like. And that. the rest. No, <laughs> it's 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 in house. It's like a. Oh, yeah. Um, we had one on one of our work boats. There, it's basically two transducer heads, and I'm not going to quote it, but it was, it was in excess of a hundred thousand dollars. It's two transducer heads off of a big pole and you just drive around along transects and you map the bottom hard bottom so you're not taking into account any sediment any soft shit hard bottom only yeah, yeah it's insane just driving up back up back up back doing grid lines and like a lot of places got mapped all the shallow water stuff got mapped out of a trailable boat with one of those systems and then a larger type of that system got mapped out of our big boat, mm. 35, 34 metre vessel. 
yeah, it's pretty fucking hectic shit. Um, right, two more. Hummingbird or Garmin, which is a hard one because are we talking Garmin? Garmin so this is from Michael Lang. So is it, are we talking Hummingbird versus Garmin, like Hummingbird Mega versus Garmin Livescope, or are we talking Hummingbird versus Garmin Structure Scan? Well, if, if we take it as just a general question. Yep. If I had a tinny that I used just in creeks and dam fishing and all that sort of thing, I'd probably go Hummingbird. If yep. I had a boat that was inshore, offshore, probably go Garmin if, if I only had to choose between the two. Um, that's just my opinion. I think like Hummingbird, like, like you were mentioning earlier, I think the GPS is a little bit, yeah, it's, it's not up to scratch with some of the others. It's not bad, but it's not, um, I don't think it's at quite the level of some of the other competitors. Um, but yeah. certainly their side imaging stuff, um, I've only, you know, been in a few boats that have got the mega side imaging and it is, yeah, amazing, like the clarity you get out of that. So it, and, you know, obviously clean water applications would be much better than, you know, if you've got probably in the territory where you've got stupendous amounts of run, it's a different story. But, um, yeah, I think anywhere along the East Coast, we don't really have huge trides. Maybe if you go a bit further south like Mackay, perhaps it might get a bit dirty in the creeks. Yeah. But I think they're, yeah, fantastic for that. And there's, like I said, there's people I know that are using it offshore and having good results. But um, the Garmin certainly has proven itself in the offshore um, environment. I've got a number of mates who, you know, they really love their Garmin gear. I find that the usability of it like you know you got to go through an extra two or three menus that you'd normally have to with a simrad or a lorance or something to do the same task mm. and um yeah that that you got to factor that in like you know if you're used to it it doesn't matter but um, yeah that's one thing i noticed different coming I from i fucking hate yeah. clicking further than what i have to and i yeah. hate reading shit yeah, well, a mate of mine had Hummingbird to start with, and he had the um, Hummingbird connected with his Mincoda. Yeah. And, you know, the feature of being able to say, you know, Mincoda, go to this mark on my sounder, seems like, oh, how cool would that be? But he had to go through, I don't know how many menus to get the Mincoda to get the signal to say, to go that. to mark, you know, 086 or whatever it was. Mm. And I just thought, man, that's a lot of effort. Like, I probably could have spot locked over this thing by just pressing the anchor thing on my motor guide in the same period of time. Yeah. So, yeah, I didn't think that it was, like it was a lot of money for something, like a feature that was probably not, it was a nice to have, but not a must have. And that's what you, what I always consider with these things. Like, you know, there's a lot of stuff that they market that are nice to haves, but are they, are they a must have? Like you can spend a lot of money on extra gear and, you know, they might just be those one percenters that don't really make much of a difference down the track. But, yeah, I guess the my final answer would be depends on the application. But if I had a, a boat, I'd be putting a hummingbird on an inshore, like, creek boat mm -hmm. and a Garmin on a, you know, offshore, inshore boat sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Makes sense. Um, final one. Let's talk. Can I... Like MR and standard transducers are chalk and cheese, but what can I do to basic tips and tricks? What can I do to get my standard transducer 
whether it be sonar, whether it be structure scan, to achieve the best results for a general purpose application? Uh, the big thing that influences sounder reading is how clean your hull is. And what, what I mean by clean is like how much, you know, bubbles or whatever get forced under the hull. Um, you know, whether that's by the shape or, you know, in your instance, Wade, where you've got that pickup and that's right beside your through yeah, hull. Cunt. Yeah, and that's that's basically, you know, fucked your, your reading of um, your sounder unless you're listed enough that it pushes the bubble trail away. So, you, well, number one you need to consider is where to mount it on your on your hull. So take your boat for a run, hang off the back and have a look at where the cleanest water is. So you're looking for, you know, where your trans, transom ends on your boat, that there's no bubbles. You can see like, you know, water with no bubbles flowing past the transom. You've also got to take into account how close you will be to your engine. So obviously with the prop, you've got to think your prop is spinning and it's going to be creating, you know, bubbles and whatnot. Mm. So I know with mine, if I go full lock so that my prop is in the direction of where my transducers are, like I get this big bubbly looking thing on the sounder as mm. I'm turning and it looks a bit like your fresh water thing on the wonkies, yep. which I think, I don't know whether that's what it is sometimes, but I know I get that sort of thing and that's just the nature of how far away my transducers are when I'm on full lock. But um, I always go on the, like I put the transducers on the side where the prop is pulling down. So you yep. don't want it so that the prop is flicking the bubbles up towards your transducer. Yeah, gotcha. So that's that's a big thing. So we, that'll be for anyone with a single prop boat, which will be 99% of us. Mm. That'll be your right-hand side when you're looking at the transom of the boat. And um, the other thing is too is just like the shape of the transducer. Like some of these cheaper transducers aren't very what I would call aerodynamic or whatever it yeah. would be for water. So they, when they're pushing through the water, they might actually churn up bubbles. And depending on the depth that they are below the transom, they might create bubbles or whatever. And I, I like to actually have the transducer quite low so that it's actually pushing into the water below the hull. And you'll need a splash plate over it, otherwise you'll be making these huge rooster tails behind the boat. But I like to have it a bit lower below the hull, about 20 to 30 mil on average, just so that you're forcing it into that clean water in that area. Mm. And um, yeah, so there's like, if you buy one of those transducers and it doesn't come with a pamphlet like the Airmail one, say, as to how to mount it and all of the things, like, oh, you know, you can, if you've got an aluminium boat, you've probably got a bit more flexibility, you can adjust the height and whatever. But definitely, like, once you've mounted it, take it for a run, you know, turn, like, get it sounding at, you know, four to six knots, see how it reads. If it's reading good, fantastic. Get on the plane and then, you know, turn left, turn right, and see if that changes the way that it reads. And that might determine your positioning on the hull. And this is all stuff in the AMR pamphlet, too. Yeah. Like, you know, it's pretty straightforward. But, um, you know, and then you've got to factor in like if you've got more weight on the nose or more weight on the transom to see if that makes a difference. And if you don't, if you can't do that, just do speed. Like if you slow down, it'll sit the ass in the water a bit yeah. more. And then you'll know if it's reading better at slower speeds. That probably means that it's sitting in more and it's not getting as much dirty water under the hull. Yep. 
But some holes, it's impossible to get a good read because they're just like a flat bottom punt. I haven't been in one of them that reads quite well because they just seem to have like they Catch suck a lot air. of water. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's and you know some of the boats with bigger dead rises can be problematic as well, and that's why the through holes seem to be you know, the way to go. But yep. um, yeah, yeah. And I mean, if if you look at like I, I bought the P sixty six, you know, mate of mine at BCF. Um, who was working there said, "Look, give it a crack." It's it, at that time it was the same price as a normal Lawrence WSDL yeah. or whatever they are, and um, they're only about three hundred and fifty bucks, I think, for a P sixty six. Yep. And I know the shape of them. Like I've had a lot of successes actually. Um, you know, putting P sixty sixes on yeah. the transoms and getting really good reads. So. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of that has to do with like the beam angle too. Like you can buy a cheap sounder, but you need to look at, you know, how many watts it is, what's your beam angle at particular kilohertz and then understand how to use it. Like there's ways around it, but there's a lot of things you've got to consider and it's probably a podcast in itself almost. <laughs> we could Just, probably get down that rabbit hole. Yeah, that's right. There's a lot of a lot of things and it's a lot of trial and error too. Like I'm I'm yeah. no expert, you know, I've done a lot of, transducer installs and mucked around mm. with them and got putting the cunts in level is half the Brahma that is the put problem. the fucking thing in level with and I mean put your boat on on the like back your boat in your garage or whatever you're doing put a level on the fucking gunnels and level on the transom match that with your transducer so it, it is the same level as your boat that's for critical. Christ's sake that's critical because all you need is a slight tilt yeah. And you're going to change the way that the transducer picks up. And you've got to think about it too, like your angle as well. Like some of them, like the MR ones traditionally come with a spacer or something. Mm. So you can adjust it. And of course, it depends on your dead rise. Sometimes I recommend to use a spacer if you've got a dead rise between X and Y. Mm. Or if you have a uh, you know, dead rise between Y and Z, you know, use the, the spacer in this fashion or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, you've got to think about the angle that that particular transducer is sitting on like parallel is what you just naturally think is perfect but some boats it actually needs to be slightly angled forward because yeah. of the way that the hull rides so yeah yeah there's yeah. A, there's so many factors in there you can, yeah you start with that neutral sort of measurements and levels and everything and then you just slightly adjust is what i found is is best and i'm still no guru but i've got mine reading pretty good like I, my structure scan reads at speed yeah, that's like I've got. I can't with mine. It's too close to the prop. I get too yeah. much dirty water. If it's flat, mine reads okay, mm. but only to one side. And that's another little trick too. I don't know. Like most people probably know this, but if um, if you want to get your structure scan reading better on both sides mm. when you're going slow, trim your engine up. Yeah. Sometimes one side will look darker than the other, and that's because, because your props, yeah, your props yeah, in the road. Down. Mm. Trim your bloody engine up a bit. Like sometimes it only has to be a little bit, mm. and then all of a sudden you can read. Yeah, I have to do it in my boat. So yeah, yeah, there's a bit in it, man. But that answers basically all those questions. Oh, Chris wanted me to know. Wanted to know, chicken crimpies or pizza shapes? <laughs> I'm gonna ask this stupid <laughs> fucking shit. It's not on my podcast. It's on his composite community podcast. Oh, I'm gonna have to go chicken crimpies. You're fucking kidding me, you people. P pizza shapes maybe five years ago, but I reckon they've backed off on the flavour on them. There, you people like make me fucking crook. You and your lawns and your fucking chicken crimpies. 
<laughs> You're pizza shaped boy, are you? Heavy. Through through. Oh. Heavy. There's not much better. Maybe bacon and cheese. If you'd said bacon oh, and cheese. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. As long as it's better than chicken crimpies. <laughs> they're the they're like they definitely are. I'd eat pizza in this order, in this order, right? Pizza shapes, barbecue, the pink cunts, which is what you just said, bacon, right? bacon and cheese, the yellow ones, cheddar, that's cheddar, 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 okay. and then chicken crimpies. And I don't think there's any others. I tell you what, we are answering the big questions here on Flow State Productions. What? <laughs> <laughs> Only the big questions. I'm gonna draw your missus next podcast. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> Righto, we're out of here now. Thanks again, man. Appreciate no your time. Thank you.